Welcome back to the Cover Zero podcast. It is our week eight preview. I'm your host tonight, Jordan, joined by, of course, y'all already know who it is, but introduce yourself anyway, bro. Oh, it's Jay, bro. It's Jay. Collinwood Jay on Facebook. Jay on Twitter. Collinwood Jay on Twitter. You know where to find me. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. That Hellraiser is very happy to be around the time of Halloween. That is, uh, it's one of the holidays you actually like pretty, pretty, pretty good amount, right? I mean, Halloween's cool. Halloween's cool. I, I like to say I'm more of a horror horror fan as far as movies go, but Halloween, the the, the day itself is cool. It's cool. Okay. Yeah, uh, being a horror fan, I'm actually tomorrow taking my uh, oldest son, Jamari, and some of his friends from school to see that Five Nights at Freddy's movie. He's been talking about it for a long Bro, time. Bro, you know it's crazy. I had no clue about that movie, man. Like nothing. I don't. I wouldn't no either if I didn't have kids. Only why I knew some girl told me, and she has kids, so she was like, "Oh yeah, it's a big thing." They was I, was it a game? I think something about it being a game yep. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a video game, uh, and this is the first time they turn in the movie like off of the game. And there's a, there's a person who there's like I guess there's several cameos because we all know how like online gaming through Twitch. Big shout out, Abe, our producer is also on Twitch, like streaming your gameplay on different like platforms mm-hmm. and people can kind of follow along and see how certain people play a game. That's that's a that's a big medium right now in this social media universe. And there's a lot of different professional gamers on YouTube, I guess, that make appearances in this movie. So that's like a pretty cool element of it as well. You know, I'm, I don't really play it. I don't know, but I'm about to go see see what's up with this movie. And uh the horror genre, man, I'll be, I'll be honest, I kind of, uh, not the same as I used to be on the horror genre. Okay. Yeah, some of it's mostly like the movies themselves and that type of thing, but yeah. Well, it that's, depends that's what you like. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you grew up like me, I grew up on the slasher movies, so you know, everybody knows Jason's, that's my dude. You that's your dude. Saying? So I grew up on that type of stuff, but they don't really have those type of movies no more. It's they more don't. paranormal, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. more, uh. They're a little bit more creative, too, with the horror, I will say, though. I will give them that. Different movies they come out with now, it's, it's, it's like I said, they're not going the slasher route. They're more like Saw, for example. There's a movie Saw that came out. Saw 1 and 2, around, I can get down with. I yeah. can get down with Saw 1 and 2. Well, I seen time. the new one. new one's pretty solid, bro. The see, the new, new see that to me, to no, me, the, the new one, like, went just the, 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 the gore porn route. And that's it. No, no. You seen the new one? The very, no, very new No, I one. haven't seen it. Okay, yeah, no, this one, nah, this one's not the um. When I think of gore and porn, bro, I think of uh. No, like and, how uh, nasty can we kill somebody? Right, 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 right. But I'm thinking of that one movie. I don't know if you ever um. Man, what's the name of that movie, man? Hostel. Hostel. Oh yeah, yeah. That's more of like a, you know, the the gory porn that you're talking about, where it's just like how bloody can it be, you know? But this saw when that came out, bro, it has a really good story. Really good. Okay. Story. Yeah, it's got a really good story behind it, man. Really good story. Okay, because I like the story in the first and the second song. I like I hear the story I hear they attached to those. Those were yeah. that was fire. That was cool. Yeah. The first the one first blew me two, away. Yeah, the first two, even three. I liked the first three, but then after that, it just like I didn't. I don't even think I seen four and five. And then it I kinda, watched I four. Think I, turned it off twenty minutes in. Yeah, Jigsaw. I seen that. That one was okay. Then they got a spinoff with Chris Rock. That one, you know. So they. Oh kinda, wow. Yeah. And I know you're not even a Chris Rock comedy. I ain't even, yeah, I'm even a fan. But that one was interesting just because I ain't never seen him in a horror movie. I see. You know yeah, no, so, nor have I. Nor have I. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. We will see if Miles Garrett, speaking of horror movies, can go ahead and add to his graveyard in the front yard of his house 
in terms of the number of tombstones that he sets up when he sacks quarterbacks. I uh, can't necessarily say if Geno Smith is there at the moment, but this weekend, as we look at this game with Cleveland traveling to Seattle, I could see a scenario where he's going to say trick or treat Geno and be able to take him down. Yeah. And as we look into this, this defense right now, it, we know it starts with Miles Garrett in particular for the Cleveland defense. So far throughout this year, Jay, what are your impressions on Miles Garrett and how he's playing? I'm not really too shocked. I'm not shocked because he's been balling, bro. I mean, he balled out last year. He balled out the year before. I'm not really shocked. I think the only thing that, to me, that's a little bit more impressive with his game this year is he's more of a leader. It looks like the defense now is Miles Garrett's defense. Hmm. You know, I mean, the Good defense is kind of like, you know, forming in his style of play from the linebackers, from the safe, from the uh, cornerbacks, the DBs. They're kind of behind him. You know, he speaks up when teams get to talking trash. I, I don't know. It, it's more of his his defense and it is just Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett just balling. He's balling, but at the same time, the whole defense is balling. I feel like it's really behind him. So that that's the only difference I would say with Miles Garrett as as far as like his play and his sacks. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah, he, he's been a baller. He's been doing his yeah. thing, and he's I'm expecting him to ball this weekend. I mean, you know, we we know about that offensive line how they've been struggling with the tackles over there in Seattle. They've been making it work as far as offensively, you know, for the most part. But um, they got they got they got a they got to deal with Miles this week, man. Jake Curran is the right tackle for Seattle, and this is the first year we've honestly seen Miles Garrett line up pretty much anywhere else yeah, except bro. for he over the right tackle where he, he goes over the left tackle, you know, and that sort of thing. And right tackle, they sometimes put him in the middle. They haven't done that as much as they started the year doing it. I don't know if that's necessarily a matchup thing or kind of other ways they're diagnosing the defense over there, but you're right. And I think that's a really good point because this defense, when you watch them play, they feed off of each other. It's yeah. like it's it's really like they they get hyped. They may have not necessarily been getting hyped this last week with how many points they allowed right. to the Colts, Colts in this particular game. Right. That was a very uncharacteristic one. Josh Downs landed on my I see you last week on our Sunday recap show, and he abused my dude Greg Newsom a couple of times. And that's just very uncharacteristic for for Greg Newsom for this defense. We haven't seen them have coverage laps and we haven't seen them allow a lot of points. But it's the NFL, things can happen. I expect a a pretty a pretty good bounce back overall from this unit as a whole. To speak to Miles Garrett's numbers right now, he leads the league in pass rush win rate at 29%. The second best person in the entire NFL, we will talk about him in a little bit, is 23%. He is 6%, winning at a 6% rate higher than the dude who's number two. That's just absolutely crazy right now. And to consider that he's that, he's third in sacks, and he's also, uh, what, first in forced fumbles, and he's only played six games, already had his bye? Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, he's making his push for his first defensive player of the year case. Don't necessarily know if I would have him right there. There's a separate other player that I think is in the lead who we will also get to later on in the show. Um, so I think that's definitely something I want to look at. And I think another part of that too, as I, as I look at this defense, it's, you're right. It's miles Garrett's defense, but it's also Jim Schwartz's defense. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that identity just permeate throughout so many different things that they do. So moving to the other side of the ball to look into this game, Seattle has the right tackle, Jay Curry, and they did get back Charles cross their left tackle. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I want to say they got him back. They've been with him. I know he was he been was, in he was back out. for the the Cincy game, but right. before that he had been out since week one. 
Right. So, but he came back for the Cincy game and and he played then. Still haven't been able to get Abraham Lucas back up to now at this point right now. So that's gonna be that's gonna be something that's gonna be uh notable to watch. The one thing that I did notice, and I kind of want to ask your point on this right now. Seattle was without DK Metcalf last week. JSN assumed a lot of those different roles on the outside for him, as well as Bobo. Where are you at on this like Seattle passing attack? And this this Seattle offense as a whole right now? I do like the offense. We spoke about it. I like what Shane is doing over there, Waldron. We like what he's creating over there. The passing attack in general, it's, I'm not going to say, it's not as good as it was last year, but it's still lethal. It's still lethal. You know, I Mm -hmm. think that's what makes this a good game because the passing defense for the Browns is really elite, and you're going against a respectable passing game with Seattle. Not the same as last year, but still, you know, respectable. Um, I like it. I I think my thing is I want to see a little bit more from JSN. You know, um, a lot of guys, I wasn't really too high on them, but the whole media, everybody was high on him. I just haven't really seen him. You, not just you. One. Not just you, everybody. I oh, no, yeah, I know I'm not alone here, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people had him number one or number two, and and I didn't I didn't really see that, and I'm not seeing that now. I, when I look at that passing game, I still think DK, Lockett, those are the guys right there that you go to. Um, JSN hasn't really made his mark, his stamp yet. So I want to see Last game, bit. he kind of got going a little bit. Last game, but Last it, game, I, he got his first but, touchdown. But yeah, that's it. In, in seven games, I mean, that ain't that ain't good enough for somebody that's supposed to be the number one wide receiver coming out. I, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I think I, I think I, part of me to that shifts to Shane Waldron finding ways to use him last week specifically, and he he really started to get more burn in the Cincinnati game. That was kind of where he first started to be a, a continual piece of the offense. But it seems like Shane Waldron, because of his love for three tight end sets, because of the familiarity that he has with DK Metcalf and that he has with, with Tyler Lockett, also, also Geno's familiarity too and that type of thing. Right. It seems like that he was just wanting to wait until there was some sort of rapport established before he really dropped him in there. The DK Metcalf injury, I feel like, is going to open it. Gonna, he's gonna, his hand, you know what I mean? We're going to see. Yeah, I feel like he he when his touchdown was nasty, bro. They had him. They had it was a really dope, a really dope concept. It was like Tyler Lockett was in the slot. They had JSN split out at the X, and then they had uh, Noah Fant in at third. So it was like they were in one of their base sets, and JSN was in like you know nat- natural spot. Up until DK had not been in the lineup, we really didn't see JSN in a lot of two receiver sets, and that's kind of something I think that they should just kind of mix in just for a different flavor for what the offense can deliver to a defense. But to go back to that play. Noah Fant was in at the third wide receiver spot. He ran it over. He took the far safety. Lockett ran a fly route. He took the near side safety. So when that happened and then JSN broke to his post, Gino did not hesitate. Bro, that shit was chef's fucking kiss. Touchdown. Open. Mm-hmm. He was even through a little bit behind JSN. I mean, you know, made the catch, whatever. It is what it is. But I, can, I, I, I want to continue to see more of that thrown in there into the offense. So I got so, a question. I got a quick question yeah. for you. Do yeah, you what's up? think with DK possibly being out, he's out. He, he's going to be out this in game. this game. He uh, he practiced recently. Okay. DK was, he's on track to play this week. Okay. Okay. Never mind. It kills my question. Because I was going to say, if he don't play, do you think JSN breaks like really breaks out this game? No, I, I still wouldn't do that yet. I still the reason I, I I think what a part of the reason why we've kind of seen his slow insertion into the lineup. I think some of that is just like Shane Waldron. Not wanting to really like yeah. you know fracture the status quo 
so to speak, you know what I mean? Something like that. But I, I do think he can be a useful weapon, especially when you consider the woes that Seattle has had so far in the red zone. That is something is that that this year is is really we've seen from Geno. I mean, he had zero interceptions in the red zone last year, and he's had multiple of them this year already. And we're not even at really the halfway point of the NFL season. And that's going to be something that's going to be able to, you know, have to rectify itself if this offense wants to get to where it's going to where they want to go. Because right. this this fan base right now, I know a lot of C, a lot of Seattle Seahawks fans. Yeah, I know a couple. Oh, they're listening a right couple of my now, family. my man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're listening, like 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 Riley, Krebs, Ian, Danielle, like Michelle, Samantha. I mean, I got I I a bell. I could keep going. I could keep going. Yeah, my Gosh, cousins, my cousins Juan. live in Seattle, and they they're big time Seattle Seahawks fans, so they're tuning in. So I, yeah. I know some fans too. I just and well, go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, you you're good. No, I mean, hey, speak I, on your. No, no, no. I just was gonna say they're Seattle fans, but I don't know how much they believe. Well, maybe they do believe it. I don't know. Maybe That's they believe they take like, all the way. Maybe they maybe they believe it. I because it, that NFC is the weaker. It's a weaker conference. We're yes. gonna see some teams make it that we wouldn't expect to make it. Seattle right. wouldn't be one of those teams. I wouldn't be shocked if they made it. So, but do we see them getting past the Niners, Philadelphia? Even the Cowboys, you know, I good question. I, I don't. It's a good question. Maybe we, the Cowboys. A, the Cowboys is known for choking in the playoffs, so maybe the Cowboys. Maybe you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe the Cowboys. Like I had, I had that conversation uh, on to some degree. My big guy, uh, Brian Crabb, is my big homie. We were talking about on uh, when Seattle, not Seattle, but when Philly plays Dallas in a few weekends on Sunday Night Football. Oh, I think it's December tenth. That Sunday. The Niners in Seattle also play for the second time. It's December. Who is going to garner more interest? We'll be at the point where the NFL schedule is into flexing in the games that mean the most. Mm-hmm. I, I told him, I don't think we're going to be at a point where we flex out Philly-Dallas, but I do wow. think that they're going to be equal implications in terms of the NFC playoff picture, right? We just we know how Dallas is. We know how Philly is. That's not we a game that flex Jones out. Is. Right, you know, you know Jerry Jones, is. and especially also considering that we will see Seattle in the primetime spotlight on Thanksgiving against the Niners yeah. and on Thursday Night Football yeah. the following week. So at that point, Dallas Cowboy fans gonna be wondering where the hell their star is on their cable network. Right. So you know right. that type of thing. Right. I, bro, I wasn't flipping you off. That's my ring finger on. on this no, I believe. I know. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I, was, uh, I, I realized like, oh, that. <laughs> how little kids used to flip people off and not want to get right. in trouble by their parents. <laughs> oh, I'm stupid. Uh, but to move on to the other side of the ball to, before we round out the rest of this game, uh, Seattle's defense right now, our guy, Devin Witherspoon, bro. He is right now, let me ask you this question. Is he the defensive rookie of the year so far? I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say yeah, man. I'm going to say yeah. I think so think so the only other person really competing with him is Jalen Carter right now and if if Jalen Carter gets it I can see it right I feel like since Devin Witherspoon has been on the field and been active he is that's more thing. continually affecting more plays right just because like he you know Carter swapped in and out they got yeah. all those people on that Philly D-line that's what I was and, gonna say they got a yeah. lot of guys on Philly so they may kind of they may try to ding him for that oh well you know he's playing with other D linemen. But to me, I mean, when you could stand out with those D linemen and look better 
than those D linemen at times. That's something that should be accounted for. I'm not saying Definitely. they don't account that, but they're going to look at it more so of them playing with the other D linemen, and they, it may go to Williams, which I'll be okay with because that was my favorite corner coming out. I wanted him to fall. I swore he was going I man, I thought he was going to fall too late, bro. And I don't know how because everybody bro, honestly, I don't think we would have picked him. I think we would have, bro. I heard Dave Ziegler, our GM, was was really high on him, bro. I think, and I don't think nobody thought Seattle. I think everybody thought Seattle was gonna go James Carter because they struggled stopping the run and all of that. And Pete Carroll, you know, he's he's, he's yeah. okay yeah. with you know players that had a little bit of trouble and whatnot. So people just thought that was gonna happen. But when he yeah. when they got Witherspoon, it was like, okay, damn. Yeah, and it was indeed. Him, but you know, yeah, I for sure didn't think they were gonna pick Witherspoon. He does. He does not fit the profile of corner that Pete Carroll and John Schneider have coveted. He doesn't like, like his body type. He's not tall. He's not long. Mm-hmm. He's small. Mm-hmm. You're talking he about like, fit, uh, physic- yeah, I see what you're saying. Physical, like style, yeah, 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 size yeah, yeah, yeah. and build size and all wise, that. Yeah, they've wise. never drafted a corner that high. Let a, They've never drafted a corner that high period, let alone never even sought after corners of that build, but they still recognize the ability. And that's that's the part of it. They were like, "Look, no, this dude, this is like Earl Thomas in a corner's body right here. Like that's yeah. what this fool is like." Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. they saw it and they pulled the trigger, and I loved it. Yeah. To move to other parts of this defense right now, uh, Seattle currently ranks fifth in sacks in the NFL, twenty three on the season. But a couple of a couple of con- a bits of context about that statistic: eleven of those came against the Giants. All teams that have played the Giants reside in the top five in terms of team total sacks, <laughs> except for one. So that kind of says something there with the situation that they're in. And also, a third of those sacks have come from blitzes, the likes of Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Trey Brown, and Devin Witherspoon. Those three, those four, I mean, that quattro group has is responsible for about eight sacks so far this year. But the team is 27th in blitz rate. They don't really blitz a lot, but when they do, they have success. success. Yeah. You know they're, what I mean? Efficient. Efficient blitzing team. That's a good way to put it right there. Boyo Mafe is the only guy in the top 65 D lineman on this team, be it edge rusher or D tackle, to be in, in the top 65 of pass rush win rate. Yet he has been swapping time with Daryl Taylor. Right now, as Seattle goes into this game, Uchenna and Wosu, unfortunately, had to have season-ending surgery following an injury that he sustained against the Cardinals. So now we're likely going to get to see more Boyo Mafe plugged into that continual rusher spot. And I wonder so far this year, with more usage of him, does that help out this front four? That's something I'm going to be looking for as well. I really like Clint Hurt's deployment of this personnel, big time. Base looks, he they're, they're quote-unquote base. The, the formation and the personnel, they run the most. They basically put Jamal Adams, your boy, at big nickel. So, like, they run Julian Love, Quandre Diggs at safety. Adams is that overhang defender. And then they use Brooks and Bobby at the other backers, put Requel and outside along with our boy Witherspoon. The front four, as we said, is going to change to have Mafe there in place of Nwosu, Jaron Reed, Draymond Jones in the middle, and then a mix of Derek Hall and Daryl Taylor on the outside. That's the, the formation we see them run with the most. They have a heavy set that they'll use occasionally, which I think we actually see in this game going against the Browns, where they swap Julian Love out. They kick Jamal Adams back to a safety. They put in former Raider, former Saint, former Titan, 
Mario Edwards Jr. He then is the guy. I wish we never let him go. Yeah, it's a lot of players like that, bro, that we let go and they're just balling elsewhere. <laughs> like how many times we have said But one thing I'll say about Mario, though, he couldn't stay healthy with us. So I kind of understood true. that a little bit. Yeah. You know, couldn't stay healthy, but That's I liked true. him a lot, bro. I, liked I did, too. All, all the Raider Nation loved him playing next to Mac. That was like the dude next to Mac when he was on the field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, big shout out to him for, for finding a home and being on a good team right now. What I really like where, where I get, like, giddy on the All-22 watching, watching this squad is when they get into their dime formation, right? Where, and and that's, when, that's when actually the only spot I've really seen Hurt consistently get real funky with his blitzes. And it's dope, man. It's dope. What they do is they swap Jordan Brooks out. They put Trey Brown in that corner. Trey Brown and Reek Woolen play on the outside. That means then your two overhang slash slot corners are Jamal Adams and Spoon. You want to talk about some slot corners that are going to blitz you, that are going to hit you, that are going to set the tone, be nasty, be physical. And like the, then the skill set we all know that Spoon has in terms of covering and Bobby in the middle of it. And then whatever makes the pass rushes you want in front. Yeah, sign me up. I want to see them go to that on more third downs. I don't think this is necessarily the game to do that because of, you know, the, passing attack that we have over here in Cleveland, how much Kevin Stefanski likes to run the ball and that sort of thing. But that's been pretty cool. And speaking of Kevin Stefanski running the ball, before I swing this one back over to you, bro, the Seattle run defense is allowing three and a half yards per carry on the season right now. Yuchenna Nwosu has been a big part of that. As you look over on the other side of the ball, the Browns, they lost Nick Chubb. We all know that. They're also likely going to be without Jerome Ford. Your thoughts on Kareem Hunt, his ability and what he can do still behind an offensive line that has a lot of names, but maybe hasn't been playing that well. That's the thing. I don't – oh, go ahead. My fault. No, that's, 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 oh, that's, that's a it? bad okay. way to ask you a question. Go, no, no, no. You're good, bro. You're good. You're good. Um, yeah. <laughs> with Kareem Hunt, you know, he's to me, he's, he's still a solid tool to me, bro. He's not I, – I don't see him really carrying his team to a win, um, especially when you're going against a really good run defense because he's going to be the only guy really carrying his team on the run game, bro. Like you said, Ford is not going to be there. We know Nick Chubb is out. So I think it's going to be tough to ask Kareem Hunt to really just, you know, lead us to a win. They're on their third string quarterback, so he's not going to help have the help in the passing game. Not that he has too much with Watson, although I think Watson is the better throws, but we'll get to that. That was an off-segment, off you know, discussion between me and my boy here. But either way, they don't have a passing game to really help him either. So you're asking a lot from, you know, regardless of that offensive line with a lot of names and stuff like that, to just expect Kareem Hunt to do it by himself without us, without Ford, without Chubb, um, without a good passing attack. That's asking a lot. So I'm not really expecting mm -hmm. him to really, you know, doing that. I, I could see him breaking off for some good, maybe 15 yards. Maybe, you know, that'll probably be his longest run, maybe 20 yards, something like that. But I, I'm expecting the Seattle defense to really keep him at bay. Yeah. Uh, for before our we give defense, our score, uh, what's that? Did I say Seattle offense? Seattle's defense. Seattle defense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we give our score, a uh, quick talk on Deshaun Watson right now in terms of P.J. Walker and that quarterback room over there in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. You prefer Watson? Yeah, by far. I just, well, I don't, P.J. Walker, what I've seen from him, bro, is just a quarterback that's not good at all. I, I don't even know, like I said, how they put up 39 points. When you go and look, at the game and the stats, you're looking like, how was I able to pull this off? 
But I mean, it was just the good play calling from from Stefanski and then the defense itself. You know, they got some short field advantage and stuff like that. But when you look at PJ Walker play, bro, I, you know, it's just not there. It's not there, bro. It's not there. You know, it's not there. Um, Deshaun Watson, I think with him, main thing that that I've said is that I want to see him on the field so he can continue to build the chemistry with these players. When you're not on the field and you've missed that much time, like he's missed. To me, you're not you're, you're not going to get any better. We're expecting this Watson, and I get it. We should because he's getting paid a whole lot of money. So he definitely nobody needs has to turn into that like guy. That. Nobody. So he needs to turn into that guy quick. But it's hard to do so when you're not on the field. It's True. Just, it's, it don't matter who you are. If you're not on the field, you're not going to be able to build those chem- that chemistry with those players. Right. You know. So right. um, that's my thing. I want to see him on the field, and that's the guy that I trust more. I trust him more than PJ Walker. I, you know, and DTR. These guys, I you know DTR. I'm not. I'm. I mean, I don't know. They're they're kind of DTR. I've seen less from DTR than I have from PJ. Oh yeah, uh, for I'll, sure. But I'll I'm be right just, there right now. Yeah. When I'm looking at the, the, their QB roster, Deshaun Watson, DTR, yeah. and PJ Walker. If the DTR was ready to go, he would be over PJ Walker right now. Yeah. I think they. Yeah. You know, they have. He'd a be. Yeah. If he was ready to go, he'd start. He this, start. this quarterback room is has the you know. Yeah, they're on the third. Yeah, they're on the third. They're on the third quarterback. So, yeah, I'm just not sold, bro. I'm not sold. I, I, if I had to trust somebody, I would put my faith in Watson, somebody that I've seen play at a high level. Do I expect? Would I expect him to light up the Seattle Seahawks? No, I haven't seen him light up anybody since he's been playing. But I wouldn't be shocked if he got going. I, right. I tell you what, if PJ Walker start lighting up the field and that's start diamond, it's like, oh. oh. Yeah, I'm with. Yeah, I can see that. I can see you that. Know. Like that's. Yeah, we've we've never seen Walker play at the level we've seen Watson play. Uh, no. That is that is. I, I gotta go with what I've least seen, and no, it's right. been a while, but I've seen it from him for a while. It's just that you know he missed time off his situation. Mm-hmm. He comes back, he missed more time. You know now with, the, with being injured, so it's just hard. Okay, it is hard. Who you got winning? Ah man, I love the Browns defense. I'm gonna go with give me uh give me Seattle, bro. Give me Seattle. I think they could do enough on offense to up the Browns, bro. And and it's it's kind of hard for me saying that because the Browns has been really good on defense, although they did allow thirty was thirty eight points. Thirty eight. Thirty eight versus the Colts. Yeah, give me give me Seattle. Give me Seattle. Um. Give me – I don't think it's going to be that high. So, Browns defense going to want to redeem themselves. Give me 20 – give me um, give me 26 Seattle Browns 21. Okay. 26-21. I, I like Seattle too. I like Seattle too here. Uh, but I think – Not your boy? PJ ain't my boy. <laughs> PJ ain't my boy. He ain't my boy. Uh, but no, I, I I got a lot of my boys on this Browns roster. Um, a, a lot of them, healthy or not, we all know that. Um, but no, I, I I like Seattle in this one, just with where both of these teams are right now. I think it being at home for the Seahawks is huge here. I think the Browns really, due to some very questionable official calls last week, especially down the stretch, were able to profit off that win. The only reason why they were able to punch a touchdown in, honestly, was off of some great bullshit call. 
or non yeah some bullshit call honestly is what it was uh but i don't want to spend too much time on the refs because that's not what we're about um but yeah i like seattle here i just think with there's there's more cohesiveness with this team right now and part of me wants to almost like give the browns that credit because a lot of seattle right now is getting real real cocky at this spot and i've seen seahawk fans do this a lot and humble pie when you can serve it to these 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 twelves up here that need it there are some don't get me wrong as as within any t- large group there there are some that aren't aren't being that cocky but there are some that would very much warrant from a piece of humble pie but i don't think it comes this week i don't think it comes this week i think they get a little bit more inflated I got Seattle twenty one seventeen, just covering that three and a half point spread. That's where I'm gonna land. Moving to our game of the week: Bengals at Niners. Niners minus four right now. Bengals sitting at uh, well, total sitting in this game forty three and a half right now. The biggest uh, takeaway initially when you look at this game is that Brock Purdy is currently in the concussion protocol. Sam Darnold is starting. What are your expectations of the former Trojan, Sam Darnold, himself making his debut in the Kyle Shanahan offense? I'm expecting him to play well, bro. You know, we kind of talked about it off air. Kyle Shanahan has been able to make it work with a lot of different QBs. Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, Brock Purdy right now. We're still trying to make much of Brock Purdy to see if he's the next Joe Montana or if he's just the next Nick Mullins. We'll see. But I think uh, Kyle Shanahan is creative enough on offense with his RPO plays, with his run game. He's got a lot of talent with Debo and and um, um, uh, Mitchell back there, although he hasn't really lit up, lit the field up or anything like that. But he's got different options in the run game where he can really, you know, the defenses have to respect that, you know. So, you know, I'm expecting the same type of offense. I'm not expecting nothing you know, really totally different. Um, the only thing I will say is I don't think he's going to let Sam Darnold really air it out. You know, obviously, you know, Brock Purdy, I would have to say, even though Brock Purdy still hasn't played that long, you know, it's only been a year and a half. He's more talented than Sam Darnold. I think that's evident. He's a better quarterback, you know, so mm-hmm. um, that much we do know. So, and I think Kyle knows that. So he's not going to let Sam air it out, but I'm expecting he's going to trust him enough to be able to throw the ball when he needs to a lot of play action passes, but the run game, the motions and stuff like that, what Kyle Shanahan's great at, he's going to continue that. McCaffrey, is McCaffrey playing? McCaffrey's playing. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously I wasn't sure. I didn't think he was playing. So he's playing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Mitchell. Forget what I was saying with Mitchell. McCaffrey, you know, they're gonna they're gonna do their thing, man. They'll be all right. They'll be all right on offense. I, I think I think even like with the, because McCaffrey, he was like questionable to play. He got into practice today. It's gonna be good to go as we record this on a Thursday. I think though, speaking on Elijah Mitchell speaks to a point that some Niner fans have talked about, and that's McCaffrey's just like workhorse usage that they seem to be. So it's like spent on doing, and and I I it's hard not to use them. It's hard. It if is, I'm Kyle, like, like, bro, it's hard, bro. Like like let's like, like I I saw them not use him last year. Like they're using him now, and we had the only thing we saw is we saw more more splits between Elijah Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Moore's been more not like Elijah Mitchell, not Elijah Mitchell. We've we've seen more splits between those two, and Elijah Mitchell has not been healthy. Now Elijah Mitchell is healthy in this game. 
can we like can, can we see some like some split? I don't here? think it would be good to because you start to worry a little bit about Christian McCaffrey's health because he's dealt with health you know health problems, his injuries. But the only reason why I think McCaffrey they was getting it split is because they traded for him last year. He still had to learn the offense. That's the only reason. You can, you can be right. I, yeah, no, you can definitely be right about that. You, you know, I think, definitely, yeah, I, I think that's part of it. Um, and that's you know Elijah Mitchell was used to the offense and stuff like that, so it made sense to really do that now. Get McCaffrey fully healthy, you know the playbook, ready to go. And Kyle Shanahan, you, you're, you're with your McCaffrey's with uh, a guy that loves to run the ball. He loves to be creative running the ball. It's hard not to use somebody like Christian McCaffrey. It's just hard. You got him there, and you're like, man, I gotta, gotta use him, man. But you're right. When it comes down to the health, and he just got hurt, he's, he's dealing with some injuries, and it starts to creep up in your mind. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, like, wait a minute, do I? You know, I might want to be careful with this a little bit. So that's a good point. Do you see it? I don't think you do. I think you probably should, but I don't think you do. I think you'll see a little bit like you've been seeing, but I think Christian McCaffrey is still the Christian McCaffrey show. Yeah, it probably it's probably going to be. And I get it. You're right. Like, you draw up a play, and you know you need to have it. You want to have it. Well, how are you not going to put the best guy in there? To and then, it? you know, you got to know, too. He's going up. The guy. He wants to be in the game. You know, he put does. me in, put me in. You know, sure, you, when sure. you got players coming up to you that really wants to play, which stars like him want to, you know, yeah. it's hard just to say, no, 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 we're going to go ahead and you seen that with Josh Jacobs last year. You know, that's why. Yeah, he no, he, he, yeah, Christian McCaffrey's basically like offensive player of the year so far yeah. if it's not for Tyreek Hill. You know what I mean? That type of thing. But yeah, he, he's on that track record. I just think like Kyle, like understanding, like, okay, I'm going to need this dude healthy, like dude. all year. I'm going to need this dude right. And I got, like, capable backs to be able to function within this offense. And maybe now that one of them is healthy, in particular Elijah Mitchell, I should probably look to him. And at some point, coaches do need to step in and say, I get that you want to get in. I love that you want to get in. But here is the big picture right now. Let me go ahead and and Rembrandt this for you right now and paint you the big picture. You know what I mean? That type of thing. So if that's what I'm doing, if I'm Kyle Shanahan. Well, um, let me ask you, do you think he does that? No. I don't. No, I don't. I don't. Um, that's that's just that's just me on a on a on a note in terms of usage. Uh, and speaking of other guys and where their usage will be at this week, Debo did not practice. He's likely out this week again. Trent Williams did not practice Thursday mm. either. He is currently sitting at questionable. Why that one matters a lot? If you look to the other side of the ball right now, Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendricks, bro. That's why. Trey Hendrickson. <laughs> that's why it matters. That's why it matters big time. Dude is, he's 15th in pressures. He's only, he's only played six games. They are fresh off of, a, off of a bye. He has the second highest pass rush win rate in the NFL. As in our previous game, I brought up Miles Garrett being number one. This is the man who's sitting right now at number two. And where he lines up is so specific to the injury of Trent Williams because he runs up over the left tackle all the time he does not play on the other side he just that's just not how they do it over there in Cincy Mm -hmm. so speaking to the alignment and and like the deployment and the game plan right now Lou Anarumo Bengals defensive coordinator a guy that we have touted and spoke highly about on the cover zero podcast so many times and rightfully so Mm -hmm. and the reason was and the reason why we did that is because when it was an important game and he was going against big quarterbacks Lou always had a game plan that was specific for that quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
opposing teams seem to not be like, Lou is going to do this. They, they, he, they knew that his game plans were specific for your quarterback. What he did for Lamar is not what he did for Mahomes, is not what he did for Josh Allen, is not who he did or will do for Brock Purdy, who he will do when he plays against the Steelers or the Browns. Like He very much specifies his game plans for his opponents, a very smart approach. But it's always seemed like they stand out more against the bigger and more formidable opponents and those teams. I don't necessarily think that going into this game, he's going to do anything different in particular for the quarterback switch that's going on here. Part of the woes that I think Cincinnati are facing defensively don't stem from him. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I would say. I would say so. Because we talked about the defense. I think it was last, no, maybe was it last week or maybe the week before that he's hurting from losing those safeties. So it might be a talent. It's more of a talent thing, you know, with him. You know what Lou want to do uh, as far as the, the you know, Zach Taylor. You, his safeties are you know, a huge part of that game plan. Yeah, they yeah. want to. Yeah, they want. They know what his with with the deep, their guy Lou wants to do, and the talent is not really there. I think they thought. However, though, I like the way the secondary played last week. Though I like the way they they're all oh, yeah, and they're in the, against Seattle week. against Seattle. Yeah, yes, that was their that was one of their so, best collective was, games. I think it was their best game, bro. Secondary defense wise, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. So. Um, but overall, collectively, it's 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 they're hurting a little bit talent wise. Justin mm-hmm. Bates, we brought him up. You know, different guys that they've lost. It's hurting. It's hurting. Them a little bit, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Jesse Bates, gone. Von Bell, Von gone. Bell, yeah. Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson. They're two linebackers that play the majority of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Those guys haven't been the same dudes. Mike Hilton, our guy, has just not been the same dude. He actually, that, that's a guy that say, actually though, he played well. Seattle. <laughs> he played well last week, Balled out though. against Seattle. Had his interception. He had tackles, man. He was all over the place, man. And that's part of what I want to bring up with him is that game was the only time where they have blitzed him at least five times within a game this season, right? Throughout the course of the year right now, Mike Hilton is averaging three blitzes a a, a game. That's like one a quarter, if that. In 2022, he was averaging five blitzes a game. In the playoffs alone, if you take the wild card, the championship game, the divisional round, he was averaging seven blitzes a game. Like, that's something that I wonder if Lou, to be able to get more out of the defense that he has here, taps into. The only reason why I could see him avoiding that is because he doesn't really feel confident about exactly what we were just talking about, the safeties on the back end. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that could be like, oh, if I send Mike, then that puts more onus on those guys to be right. And if they're not right, then I'm fucked. And so then maybe he may not want to do that there. The only other, the other person I want to really give a shout out to on the back end, uh, apart from Dax Hill, the last few games starting to find his stride a little bit over there is one of the safeties. It's, it's starting to look a little bit better, starting to get more used to the system, but Cameron Taylor Britt, CJ's guy. I'm glad you CJ's guy. Yeah. He's out. Showing up. Let the team in tackles. Yes. Balled out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like what Second. I'm seeing from him. Mm-hmm. Athletic, active. He, yeah. he what we saw with him. I want to say he's coming out of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. What we saw with him. Nebraska, Wisconsin, one of the one of those like white and red teams. Something I like think that. It was West, I think it was Wisconsin. I think. Wisconsin. I'll yeah. look it up. 
Yeah, it was one of those. The, yeah, one of those teams. What we have seen with him so far within the mix of this offense, uh, I'm, I'm really liking what we're getting out of him. Cam Taylor out of Nebraska. Yep, out of Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White and red, but yeah. And that's 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 been something that's been cool to be able to hang my hat on. Um, offensively, as we look move to the other side of the ball right here, we look at the Niners' defense offensively for the Bengals. Let's start first with the Niners' defense. This team kind of got got in primetime on Monday night. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Bad calls. Bad calls. That was a part of it. Bad that calls. was a part of it. That was a part of it. No adjustments. I... No adjustments. Bad mm-hmm. calls, not adjusting. Um, well, anyway, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. No, no, no. Go ahead. Like, like, well, I was going to say, just, bad, yeah. uh, bad play calls, adjustments, not really. I mean, when we thought of Steve Wilkes, we thought of somebody that was going to be more physical, uh, more aggressive with the blitzes and stuff like that. And, I'm, we're not really seeing that. I, I don't know really what if he's trying to do something different or really what it is. He's trying to outsmart himself. I don't know what he's really doing, but it's not the Steve Wilkes that we expected with this type of high caliber, talented defense. Um, just for example, that play call. It was the I believe it was the second. It was the second quarter before they went into the half. He called a cover zero blitz. That was the Addison touchdown. The Addison touchdown. I mean, zero you don't, yes, yeah, I don't know how you how you do that. You go and prevent on that. I mean, you know what they're about to do. You call it cover zero. They throw it to Addison. It's a touchdown. You take away those six points. They don't even win the game. So I, I just felt like right there that that was a no bad that that goal. cover zero that, was that surprised me. That, that surprised me. And it's stuff like that, bro. Like you know, that's been questionable by him. Um, yeah, just, and, yeah, and then yeah the, bro, just like run. There's so many other things you could run right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you will go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I would have stayed and prevent defense. I mean, you know, you you you're you know what they're about to do. Why would you send a cover zero blitz? Uh, it just to me, it didn't make no sense. Kirk Cousins read that he knew it. Addison knew it. The whole offense knew it. And they, great play against Traverius Warden in uh, traffic too. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's you what, know, like, you, but, put, I mean, you put your corner in that position. You, yeah, you I don't blame Ward. Your corner, I don't blame, you know what yeah, I mean? I don't, I don't blame Ward, bro. Ward is not a top five corner. I'm not, you know, even if he was, you you, you still want to be able to help your players out. You yeah, don't want to yeah, put yeah, them yeah. in tough situations if you don't have to. Now, there's times where you're going to rely on your best players to really do their thing. Yeah, for sure. But in this case right here, there was no need for that. And you don't even got no a top five corner on that, on that defense. So, yeah, to me, it didn't make no sense. Um. And it's been a lot of that. It's been a lot of just questionable calls by him. And um, this defense, although it's a good defense, I don't want to knock. I don't want to take away nothing. This defense is still talented. The pass rush is there to a certain extent. They don't have the sacks. We talked about that two weeks ago. Certain guys that's getting sacks, but they're still not collectively getting sacks like they was last year. It's not. Yeah, it's not like it was last year. And with Steve Wilson, it's blitzing. I mean, I just would expect it a lot more than that. So, um, yeah, just not impressed. Not impressed. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. Everybody listening, we don't compare our notes before this. And one of the notes that I had written down is we're starting to see Steve Wilkes fingerprints and the residue that they're leaving isn't as great as D'Amico's. That's, that's what I have written down right now. Or Sala. Or Sala. Or Sala. Or Sala. Sure, right. Yeah, that's Sala, a good point. Actually. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, right now, this team has skewed more into different man coverage looks, which is something that underneath those two, we didn't see not that they run man more than they run zone. They still are more zone heavy, but this team was one of the leaders in terms of zone. And because of the personnel that you have the front four being able to win, like they can, 
that's why we saw that formula. And we're now starting to see Steve Wilkes try to do a little bit more. They're currently 18th in man coverage, 14th in zone coverage. Starting to trek towards more of Steve Wilkes being like, no, this is what I want to do, as opposed to what the previous regime did that delivered like top-tier results. And I, I just don't necessarily know if that's the move. I really don't know if that's the move right now. I don't. Leaving Ward and Diamondor Lenore, the outside corners, especially as we look in this game right now, if you're going to lean more into that, you're going to call those cover zeros. You're going to call more man coverage than the previous defensive coordinators did. That is not the recipe here. I don't want to see that from Steve Wilkes in this game. You want to leave Ward and man coverage against Jamar Chase? Oh, you're going to see this Bengals offense get on track real quick if you do that, if you do that Steve. We're going to see. And that's one of the things that I'm going to be able to, to look out for. Another note that I had written down was the cover zero post shot to Addison. But you, bravo, sir. Yes, exactly right. Great minds, right? That's how, that's how it be. The other thing that I wanted to bring up uh, before we deliver our scores here in this game of the week, the offense last week for the Vikings, I feel like had a great game plan on how to attack this Steve Wilkes defense. We saw a lot of chip blocks from tight ends. Receivers cracking down when they were close to the line, close to the to the line of scrimmage and the edge rushers. We saw running backs chip frequently. We saw even receivers on play actions start to block and then release into routes, like showing the Niners things and then bailing out of them at the last moment. There must have been something that I think Kevin O'Connell got a beat on because he was drawing up a lot of like uh, slide motions, which are motions that everyone's seen them. It's, it's a motion where they go behind the line of scrimmage, and then once they get to the end, they snap the ball, and then that player either blocks somebody on the end, or if it's a pass, they release into the flat, or if it's a pass, they block, you know, like that type of thing. It can, it can, be, it can be one or the other based on the play call that you have. They caught the Niners trailing that motion defender numerous times. So if they wanted to run it left, they'd run that motion defender and sift block to the right. And that one guy who would be otherwise be in the gap would follow him. Whoop, then go the other way. They did this numerous times. And I, I watched the film, and I couldn't figure, up the tell, figure out the tell that got them into that. But nonetheless, they did it. And it, it was really fire to see. And I want to see if Zach Taylor taps into any of that. The question that I got for you before we deliver our scores here, sir. How beneficial do you think this bye week was to this Bengals team and what they've been going through? It helps out as far as maybe getting that offense on track a little bit. You know, um, we talked about the defense. The defense is starting to come around. The only thing is, is that the offense, it's that offensive line still. I, you know, I, to me, until that offensive line really can play at a level we're expecting them to play, this offense is, is going to struggle. And I know it's hard to say that because they've been struggling. The offensive line has been bad. Almost since we started cover zero, almost, you know. Uh, so it, it's kind of hard, and, and they had a lot of success with a bad old line, but I just think now Joe is getting a little bit tired of getting hit. These passes are becoming more short, immediate throws because they just don't have the time. I think that's also affecting the running game as well. So to answer your question, I don't know if the bye really did anything. Um, I think okay. it, will, it will help the – the offense maybe maybe come up with some better game plans because their offensive line is not as good. So, you know, that's the only thing I really could think of. But Do you think it helped Joe Burrow and his calf or T. Higgins and his ribs? 
Nah, it's only a week. Not really. Off. Not really. Nah, I, I don't think maybe T. Maybe T. Higgins in the crib, but I think. I mean, he, let's say it did. Let's say it did help Joe Burrow. Right. The offensive line is still bad. Still so bad. Still when he ass, start yeah. getting hit again, it's gonna he's gonna feel the effect all over. We're, we're gonna so, see Jonah Jackson go up against Nick Bosa. Yeah, mini, that, that's or Jonah Williams. My bad, Jonah Williams. Jonah Jonah, Jonah Williams. Jonah see, Williams. Yeah, I, yeah, we, yeah. We get it. Yeah, I, I just think, and that that's why this makes for a good game still because the Niners have that pass rush with certain players that really can eat off this offensive line. Joe's going to have to get rid of that ball real quick. You know, I'm not expecting too many bomb plays. Maybe every now and then if Steve Wilkes, like we mentioned, want to call some more stupid-ass sure. cover zero blitzes <laughs> when he shouldn't. When he shouldn't. Trust me. We, we don't like, need to. You we, know, like, you don't, you don't. we like cover zero blitzes every now and then. That's the name of the show. We like to attack the topics in, 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 in the games and stuff. So we like it. But not when you don't need it. As far as right, play it's not. It's it's cover zero is never a thing to do when a team needs a just one play. Yeah, right. It, it's like it's yeah. like it's like you know to shift the whole the whole thing of the game. Yeah. Think about the Henry Ruggs TD against the Jets. Yeah, yeah. When 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 Greg yeah. when uh uh Greg or, Williams was a DC or or um ah man I can't think of the dude's name man um which team do you know uh, the team for the Raiders when when Derek Carr threw the uh when, yeah when the, the, Raiders, the rugs against the Jets great no, 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 yeah no no but I'm talking about um uh Wink for the Ravens he did a cover zero when when uh on on Carr and Marlon Humphrey was guarding what's hey we went to the Jaguars went to the Jaguars Derek Carr is one of his favorite targets he got paid all oh, that money Zay Flowers Zay Flowers not, not Zay Flowers. Zay, Zay Jones. Zay Jones. Zay Jones. There we Zay go. Jones. Okay, Zay Jones. Zay Jones. Yeah, they I do it. I do it all the time with Zay Flowers. Not they Zay. both in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but he I do. They did it. They did a cover zero then too. You know, um, and yeah. Derek Carr and John Gruden read it. They read it, and game was over. You know, yep. so that's yeah. true. They did. That's true. Week yeah, week, like week one. Week uh, one or week, week two. one. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. The home opener. Yep. Ah oh, man, that game was bonkers. I will never forget yeah. that game. I knew people yeah. that went to the game too. Yeah, that that was a nuts so game to go to. Yeah, no, that was true. They ran a cover zero then as well. Yeah, so this are three examples of when not to call cover zero. There are time and places. That that is that is the key takeaway here. Speaking of the current time and the place, on Sunday when we're in the place of the Niners, what time is it going to be? Who's going to win? I'm gonna go with the Niners, bro. No way they lose three in a row. I don't think um, so. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. I'm Sam with you. Darnold or not, I got to go. I do like what the Bengals' defense is starting to come around. You brought him up. Cam was who I was going to talk to. You, you brought him up, man. And the safeties, too, though. You brought up Dax Hill. Jordan Jordan battled on Nick Scott. I also thought playing a pretty good game last week, too. Yeah, yeah. It was overall you know, their best showing. It was the I, best I, showing I, is what I yeah. mean. Out of, out of all the – because we've been talking about the safeties, how bad they We been. have. And yeah. and I just thought I, I like I like Dax Hill a lot coming out of Michigan. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. I like. Yeah, him. Both did. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, but I just I don't see the Niners losing three in a row. Um, it's going. It's a little bit some urgency here. Some urgency. Sure. Yeah, um, I see it. And like I said, I just don't see the offense really being a drop off. I think the passing game to a certain extent because Sam is not Brock. But because Kyle Shanahan Debo ain't on the out, field, if Trent Debo, Williams don't yeah, go, yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure about Debo, but him not being on the field, I think Trent would go. Normally, when players are questionable, they normally go. It's normally especially Trent. Doubtful. He really don't miss. Yeah, yeah, they, they're gonna need him going against uh, Trey. But anyway, yeah, give me the Niners. Um, I think the offense will be able to get enough. Um, 
through the running game and whatnot, and, and people kind of respect that. Now it helps Sam Darnold with the play action passes. Give me the Niners. 20. Bengals, 17. 2017. Uh, like that, that still means the Bengals cover. Um, Let me go... Niners twenty four, Bengals twenty. Niners twenty four, Bengals twenty. Uh, there was a, there were Fred Warner had an unusual game yeah. against the hurt. Vikings mm-hmm. in that one. It it just it, that did not look like Fred Warner, the guy that I have come to know, right? At all, at all. And he's good to go. He's gonna play, but there was like he was getting too much depth. He was misreading like pass coverages. Like he he would clear out to take. He'd let a seam go by him. He would expect the dagger to come. So you'd see him backpedaling and then looking towards the dagger, but the dagger was never there. And then T.J. Hawkinson we release into his route. You know this, this isn't anything that Fred Warner can't or that I don't or, or that I, that I don't expect him to not rectify. I think he will right the ship this this week very much so. Uh, against this against this offense because he understands what's at stake. He's a guy that really doesn't make mistakes like that as well. Um, so I, I still like the Niners, um, but the one thing that I think that could thwart that is if Steve Wilkes just puts this very, very capable defense into an advantageous or disadvantageous position, or if Kyle Shanahan tries to do too much for Christian McCaffrey and he's not a factor in the game anymore. Those are the two things where I think both of these coaches could really start to meddle within their own accomplishment. And I'm not going to go there officially. That's why I got the Niners winning. Yeah, and I, and I like the score to be 24-20 Niners. Final game of the week here. Jaguars at the Steelers. Jaguars at 5-2. and two. And as I said in the chat, how in the actual what the fuck are the Steelers four and two? How? Mike Tomlin, bro. <laughs> exactly, sir. And speak on how that is the case. The guy, I, I, you know it's crazy because the team just plays hard for him on both sides of the ball. The offense is really not good at all. We know that. But the defense is not great. I mean, he just has some players that really play well that, well, how to, how to put this? Like the T.J. Watts, obviously. My boy. My boy. T.J. Watts. Oh. Hey, go, people, somebody go back and play the old episode. I don't know what episode it was. These dudes here, man. We, we they, talking they thought, like 20, they... 2019. <laughs> you, bro, he's man, still, he's hey. still. Okay, okay. Not the yet. Episode, hey, you know. The episode for everybody listening. Hey. For everybody listening. <laughs> all right. For everybody listening. The episode was Jay said that he sees T.J. on the same trajectory as JJ is is that is, did I yep. did I explain yep. that correctly? You sure did. You okay, sure did. okay. I want I don't want to I want to make sure I don't skew your if your, he's your healthy point. if he stayed if healthy, healthy because I was worried about because JJ obviously he's had the health and TJ was dealing with some health at that time and he's you know he's still dealing with health but yeah I'm I'm standing by that yeah no and and rightfully so if he wins defensive MVP of, of the league this year which. Right now, granted, what does defensive MVP pre-week eight mean? Nothing. You know what I mean? But right now, if we were to decide, he gets my vote. Yeah. He gets my vote. 
We are then into the spot where he is now one of the very few people to win two defensive MVPs. JJ is the only one to win three. And and so like he but he gains that type of ground and then I think I feel like if he wins two your your yeah, your point did. back then is validated, validated. your point back then is validated yeah. because yeah. there there is a very select few amount of people in the history of the NFL out of all of the Hall of Famers we have seen to win two, two. defensive MVPs right right he is on track to do it and therefore if he did it yeah but he, he doesn't have to win three like JJ did but you're right if he does. And I didn't see that at the time. So bravo, bravo, fucking oh. But we're not there yet. But not anyway, there yet. but uh, yeah, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, bro. Um, this dude, I mean, he just Dope. came out of nowhere. He, he's just a he's 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 a baller, man. Thirteen tackles so far in the season, two sacks, um, eighteen hurries, two forced fumbles. The dude is just, I mean, he's 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 that complimentary piece on the other side to TJ Watt. You just know, like Pittsburgh keeps finding. They keep finding. That's what I'm saying, bro. They, they find guys, these players, like, <laughs> and they play hard for Mike Tomlin. That's the thing. Like, you know, you you watch them play, and you're like, wow, okay. You know, yeah, they, they there's times where they may get blown out or whatever. They don't play their best game. It happens. But 85 percent of this, the time, win or lose, this team plays very very hard for Mike Tomlin, man. I, that's all I really can say because I feel like effort at, is never an issue with them. Never. And it's because of him. Right. It's right. because of him, bro. Right. It's because of him. Um, you know, they do the same thing. They they run the zone coverage. They do the four man, four man rush. They show blitz here and there, dropping coverage. The pass defense is crazy because the pass defense is ranked 29th, bro. I mean, they they don't really have Mika's not right now, he's not at his top level where he normally is coverage wise. True. Joey Porter actually is playing pretty solid, you know, who I I'm like, wonder why they don't use him more. What do you mean? Like, like Porter, like his snaps count. Like he's not like granted lately. He's, he's been more of a focal point in that secondary, mm -hmm. but for the first portion of the season, the first four to five weeks, mm -hmm. he was only a rotational guy. Right, 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 right. And I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't get, I just didn't get that. I, I yeah. just didn't get that. Why, Maybe he's yeah. got to earn it. I don't know. I think that's the only thing because they didn't have, they don't really, I mean, you know, Patrick Peterson, who is, uh, there's times where he looked good and he there fit fell off. He fell but then off there's years times ago. where he looks like what you would he expect. He looks like what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. There was that Pukunakua crossing route they yeah, had bro. in the last. <laughs> but I don't, like, I don't blame him for that, bro. They no, I don't. But like, like, like you've got him out there, and and you're gonna call like a man look, and then they give him a switch release on a drag. Hell that no. Was, they, that like, blame the coaching. Now Mike Tomlin was wrong for that. We've been giving him credit, but he was wrong for that. It happens. It but happens. you know, anyway, though, man, they play hard for him, and um. You know, like I said, I mean, you know, teams are able to get points on them. It does happen. But just when they need to make a play, they make it, man. And um, mm -hmm. they know how to close out games. They know how to close out games. And you got to give it to the coaching staff, especially Mike Tomlin. You know, um, that's – because, like I said, in the offense, it's crazy. One thing I'll say about the offense is this has been weak. Kenny Pickett, who was my boy coming out. I will say, last week he actually looked solid, bro. Um, I thought he played – Probably his best game. His best year. game. Yeah, his best um, game. Yeah, you know, George uh, Pickens, he's starting to build some chemistry with him. That was his second 100-yard uh, game uh, last week, you know. Um, and he, he didn't have no touchdowns, but he had 107, uh, um, 107 yards five off of five catches. 
thought he played well. And then earlier versus the Browns, it was the same deal. He had four catches for 127 with a touchdown. Um, so he's starting to build something with George Pickens, which I think is is pretty good. Because as a quarterback, yeah, he's still he's not a rookie. He's still a young quarterback. You want to be able to build something with those those star players that you got. You want to make sure they're getting the ball. And I think they're, you know, that's their best weapon. So that's one thing I will say about the offense. The running game hasn't really been. I, I thought with Najee Harris, I thought when they drafted him, you know Mike Tomlin, that's what they wanted. They want to run the ball. But that just hasn't really been it, man. It, they, for whatever reason, they can't really get going on that. But anyway, not to ramble too much. Um, yeah, I, I I think what I make of this is the Mike Tomlin stamp. It's just the Mike players, Tomlin factor. Yeah, it's just playing hard for him on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Just you know to to speak to uh my my reasoning behind TJ Watt uh getting the defensive MVP of the year again so far at this point, it was a video that I shared in our group chat. And it was from this Rams game last week. And why I want to highlight this is just because there aren't players in the NFL who can be so impactful rushing the passer, playing the run, and then also playing in coverage when you may not even necessarily want him to do that. And and a part of that is because so what the play is, last week against the Rams, they they the Rams could have been using Ben Skoranek as a fullback for a while, but he's a wide receiver. So teams pr- traditionally match that with sub packages, nickel, dime, et cetera, so that when Skoranek is lead blocking, he's blocking a nickel. Well, the Steelers realized that. So they, when they saw Skoranek, they played there. They didn't put a nickel on the field. They put their base three, four on the field. But then Sean McVay being Sean McVay in the second half, he saw that too. So he, he decided on the first play, we're going to put our formation with Skoranek, Cup, and Nakua, and Tyler Higby, and Henderson out there on the field. And they're going to match it with their base, which they did. Which then by doing that puts TJ Watt at slot corner. TJ, everybody listen to me. <laughs> TJ Watt at slot corner. Oh, we got him. Everyone always has said when Sean McVay used to put do that to Anthony Barr, why would you put Anthony Barr in coverage on a receiver? This is how it happens. You have to match like bodies with like personnel. And he runs this return route with Cooper Cup. But TJ Watt is so good, he reads – it wasn't a return route. He reads the whip route from Cooper Cup, picks it off, nearly houses it. Almost went for a touchdown. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, nearly houses it, bro. I, like, like, like when McVeigh, I would love to hear. I haven't heard it, but I would love to hear McVeigh, and maybe it's out there. I, I know, I, I, knowing how McVeigh thinks and sees football, and when he got that alignment, yeah, I love this. Okay, we got him. We got him. They probably went into halftime making an adjustment. Hey, when they run out, when we put this out here, they do this. So let's put our this base out here and go empty. He might talk about it in the offseason. He was doing I'm a sure podcast with uh, Peter Schrager for a yep, little minute. Blind coach. So, you know, he may he may bring that up. But you know, him he and Mike may. Tomlin's real, real tight. They're they real, are. They're real they tight. Are. So he, he may bring that up, yeah. you know. Uh, he he very they I guarantee the two of them at one point would have talked about that like mm. you motherfucker. I had, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I got TJ Watt out there playing outside of the hashes 
eight yards off of the line of scrimmage and he jumps a whip route? Yeah. yeah bro, my slot corner won't do that. Yeah. You know how many yeah. times I've been yeah. teaching my second-year slot corner to do that and he won't? And this is your premier pass rusher? Yeah. That's like, I. It, oh, man. The, you, you don't have people like this in the NFL. You just don't. Nope. And here's TJ Watt. It's it's like I, I texted my brother. Shout out to Miles Robinson. He's like, it was almost like telepathic how he diagnosed the passing concept. Like like I I I'm in your head. I'm in your huddle. You know. And it was anyway. What I, that's that's what I got right there with it. Um. So yeah, that that's what it has to be. As I move to the other side of the ball, let's talk about that. The Jaguars right now. We've been waxing poetic over the Steelers big time over here. <laughs> Rightfully so. What a what a well-run organization, even if their OC is trash, which we'll get to. Uh Trevor Lawrence this season. Passing offense for the Jags, bro. Where are you at? I like it, bro. I like it. I know statistics don't say that, and I know there's times where you know the passing game don't look that good. But I just think he is a totally different quarterback under Doug, bro. Now I I get it. Urban Meyer was only there for a short amount of time. That, that was, was ugly. That was Trevor's play. first year. I get it. But I this Jaguars like passing game, like I said, you know, you gotta really watch them play. It just they look Trevor looked way, and I've talked about this before. Last year I talked about it. He looks way more comfortable. I mean, he looks like the quarterback that we expected when he came out of Clemson, bro. You know, and, and one thing I like about him is that. That exact play, like in Clemson, he was not scared to run. You know, he would he would run, he would get hit, like just just like Josh Allen. You know, um, and and he's bringing that same game here. You know, when he first was playing under Urban Meyer, you didn't really see that. It was like he no. was timid, he was unsure of himself. The passes wasn't really there. You know, the the what we're seeing now is exactly what we're seeing when he was playing in Clemson. So I I like what I see, bro. Um. The, the Christian Kirk ad, you know, obviously they, they've had him for a little bit, just that chemistry building within itself. Um, I like what I see, bro. I like what I see from this offense, man. You know, and I like Doug being – I like seeing it under Doug because he knows what it's like to win a Super Bowl. He's a veteran head coach. You know, he did it with Nick Foles. I'm not saying they're going to win a Super Bowl. But, but right, right, right. He, I would he be knows, scared of this team if, if they get to the playoffs. This is one of them, one of them teams where it's like – you know, because um, nobody expected them to do anything. And they got nothing to, you know, they got nothing to lose. Um, So, yeah, I like it, bro. I like what I see. I like what I see. Trevor's Lawrence knee was a topic of conversation this most recent Thursday night football game. Apart from the, as you guys listen, are listening to this, the the Bills and the Bucks, but the previous one before this was the uh, Saints and the Jags, where he was wearing the cast on his knee for the first time. Looks to be pretty good to go. There wasn't really too much difference, though, Mm-mm, in terms nah, he, of how he yeah. played the game, it was fine. what he did. His average time to throw throughout the course of the season is 2.51. Average time to throw in that game, 2.53. That's that's the same. That's the same. That's the same. I think if it was uh, serious, they wouldn't have put they, they wouldn't put him out there. close yet because the knee you don't play with. Not yeah, the, and, and even like you – and even just like you said, just like you the said – Five scrambles for 63 yards. That was the most runs that he had, and that was the most yards that he had. He was not sacked either, and his average depth of target was on track. So, I mean, like, he's he's good to go. Zay Jones, though, again, misses practice this week. I think that does that does leave an impact because they don't necessarily have 
another vertical X yeah. on the yeah. team apart from Calvin Ridley. So then what they do to keep some sort of vertical element within their offense is use Calvin Ridley there. And then what that ends up doing a lot of times to me is it kind of like confines and restricts Calvin Ridley's ability within the offense overall, Mm -hmm. because they don't, they have other guys that can get underneath loose Agnew, Christian Kirk, Mm -hmm. Evan Ingram, Mm -hmm. those type of dudes, Mm -hmm. but they don't really have a big body that can get vertical quickly. And, And when you have Zay Jones out, then that means you have to subject Calvin Ridley to something that he may or may not necessarily be, or at least that's how it's been deployed and how it's been used since Zay Jones has been out. And he's really only, Calvin really has only really had one, no, two good games, two good games, the Colts in week one and the Bills in week five. He's still getting used to he, underneath them, though. He, he's still trying to get used to the offense and everything. Still getting used to the offense, and then I think the other part of it is not having Zay Zay Jones yeah, because yeah, of the yeah. trickle-down effect. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that part, too. So, yeah, because he's right now he's 39th in yards, he's 31st in targets, and he's 55th in yards per route run. Christian Kirk is beating him out in all of those things, but Christian oh, yeah. Kirk is still playing in the role yeah. that Christian Kirk has carved out for himself, also being in the second year of that offense. I mean, we sat here in the preseason and I'm still I'm still I'm still kind of on board with like, you know, criticizing the payment that we did. But I mean, (laughs) now I've seen way worse signings than that. I mean, like Christian Kirk's kind of like he's kind of earned his bread. We talked about it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? I forgot all about that. That's why I laughed. Like, yeah, yeah, we did kind of talk about that. (laughs) We caught we. But rightfully so. That wasn't right. Yeah, you know, they it's a lot of money, but they had they had a good like Christian Kirk has been nothing but productive over there, and I got to give him his props for that. I I really do. I got to give him his props for that. I got to give the 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 front office and the Jags props for that. I I didn't see that, and hey, uh, it's not that I thought Christian Kirk was a bad player. Neither did you. Mm-mm, but no, like we, worth. yeah. But you know what? Though? We shouldn't even been shocked because they did the same thing to Zay Jones. They paid him a whole lot of money because I expect him to come back to our Raiders. Derek Carr being friends with him, and yeah, they gave him like eight mil a year. Yeah, you know, and it's paying mm-hmm. off. He, I mean, he's doing, he's 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 playing well. Yeah, we, we're like like we just were talking about. Yeah, with him out of the lineup, yeah. we're seeing how it affects the offense. So, yeah, that that's that's something that's very relevant right now. Uh, something else that I want to highlight with this offense over here with Jacksonville. Travis Etienne off to his best start as a pro. What do you really what what stands out to you the most about him as a running back? I would say being able to do both catch the ball in the backfield and be able to run the ball effectively and efficiently and consistently because that was one thing with me with Etienne where to me he always been a solid runner but I didn't really see him catch the ball the way that he's doing now. I feel like now He's able, you could, you could you could trust him really throwing him the ball and him break out in space and really do some damage in the passing game. Um, running the ball, I feel like he's he's doing pretty well with that, obviously. But I, I feel like that was always in him. I think it was really, I mean, although this is his best season running the ball, I feel like that still was in him even last year. They just He just didn't have the season that he's having right now. But I think the difference now is being able to catch the ball a little bit more than it was last year. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm very excited what I see with uh, Travis Etienne right now. The thing that stands out a lot to me with him, 
you can run this guy. There's kind of not a concept. And this is what my question was with him coming out. My bigger question was, can he run inside and outside? Can he run zone and can he run gap? The answer is yes, 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 yeah. Like there, know, a there's lot of not running a back table. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point, and I think that's a really good point. But a lot of running backs can't do both. You, exactly. You normally, exactly. only have one. And exactly. I, I wouldn't even criticize him for that because normally you have your power running backs and your zone running. Backs. Sure. That's normally how it is, and whatever you're good at, we're gonna, we're, you know, that's what yeah. we're gonna use you at. You know, that's what our offensive line is built off of. That's how we're going to use it. So for him to be able to – that's a great point, though, by the way. It's a great point that he can do both. But, I mean, I wouldn't criticize him if he can only sure. do one because most running backs are best at one. Don't get me wrong. You could try it at gap. You could try it in zone, but they're not going to be as good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm really liking that I'm seeing both. Currently right now, as it stands, uh, Travis Etienne is tied for the league lead in miss tackles forced as a ball carrier currently has forced 32 missed tackles on the season. The person that he is tied with, we just previewed their team, Kenneth Walker over there in Seattle. Uh, yeah. So, so something to keep an eye on as you watch both of those games before we get out of the Jaguars offense, uh, their offensive line. I gotta, I gotta make a statement about them, man. That's an improved unit over there right now. And I didn't necessarily expect it. Brandon Scherf is having a bounce back year. They traded for him. He came from Washington previous year. Brandy knows. Not- Brandy knows she did not like them trading away a good offensive yeah, lineman when they did. Right, She's right. talking about, can't we have a good offensive lineman now? Big shout out to Brandy. Um, and right now, they are just, this is this offensive line to me is the definition of what you get when you just have like average to solid among every position. That's what you get. There is not a single dude on this offensive line right now that, that would put on my all-pro team. But there's also not a single dude on this offensive line that has allowed over 10 pressures on the course of the entire season. Right. And and that's really all you can – like, if I get that out of my O-line, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Th- that, co- I'm good a with cohesive, that. A cohesive unit. They play mm-hmm. really well together. Nobody's a superstar. They're all they, – they all – play well together to the point where they're all stars in a sense. Nobody yeah. do anything great. Like, couldn't put this one over here. Well, Sheriff, though. I, sure. Actually, I Sheriff, Sheriff's having a solid Sheriff, so he's, yeah. not, he's still not on my all-pro squad right now. But I would think he would be one of the – He's like, a good O-line. Yeah, because he was with Washington. He played really well over there. But everybody else, if you put him somewhere else, maybe not so much. But playing together, yeah. They're just a really good cohesive. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you need. That that should be like like if you can get. Obviously, you want great. You know, you oh, want your right, Trent Williams. Right, right. You want your Creed Humphreys. You want you know you, you want your guys. You want your Tyler Smiths, etc. Jason Kelsey's, however you want to call it. But if you can just get this, that's like that's oh, you, that's that helps. That's that does that's one. so much better <laughs> than having a like just that dude's trash and that dude's trash. <laughs> like and that one is really good, and that one's pretty good. And that you yeah, know, that dude's an all pro. He is trash. Right. No. Right. And give me, he's cool. He's cool. He's cool. Fuck you when you point to the opponent and do some type of, you know, half-baked type of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over the whole type of way you look at it. Facts, facts. Uh, let's move over to the, to the Jaguars defense before we give our scores and get out of here. The one thing I first want to shine the attention to for the Jaguars defense is that all three of their corners, Tyson Campbell, 
who missed last week, likely to come back, one of their outside corners, and Darius Williams and Trey Herndon. All three of those corners currently are, I would say, out of a collective unit across the league, no other secondary has two outside corners in the slot that can cover as good as those three have throughout the course of this year. No other team in the NFL has corners all within the top 20 coverage grade, according to PFF, within the NFL. There's only one other team that has two corners in the top 20 in terms of coverage grade. And right now, they're about to get Tyson Campbell back right now. I also love what I'm seeing from Andre Sisco. The linebacking core is dope. The one area, though, where I'm really not sold yet is just the defensive line independent of scheme. The defensive line independent of scheme. I like the schemes that we can see when you can send some blitzes, you can send some twists, you can kind of disguise coverage on the back end to cause the quarterback to hold it a beat longer. And I think that stems from a certain guy. Trayvon Walker right now. Number one overall pick not that long ago. What are your thoughts and your your assumption of him so far? I think he's played solid, bro. I think he's played solid. I think he's played solid. I, I think, you know, he hasn't lived up to that number one. I would have took Aiden. I would have took, took Aiden, too. He hasn't lived up to that, but I think he's played solid, bro. I I think sometimes players, it takes them a little minute to really grow. I think his run defending is not that bad. You know, I I mean. Yeah, I think he's better at run defending than he is pass rushing. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Matter of fact, just that whole D-line. I think the run defense, look, the run defense, they're ranked fourth overall. They've only allowed, they're only allowing about 80 yards per game, which is not bad. Um, and they've only allowed five touchdowns. That's not – and rank, like I said, they're ranked fourth overall in run defense. Running – run defense as a whole for that D-line is where they, they are best at. R- pass rushing-wise, though, is where they struggle. And, and Walker struggles there, and I know they drafted him to be able to do both. They got to give it a little bit of time, a little bit more time, because when they drafted him, and I said it too, he was raw. Raw coming out, but he had that athleticism. He had the long arms. He had the length and stuff like that, you know. Um, but I think they just got to give it a little bit more time. That's all. They got to give it a little bit more time. Sometimes we get the, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying in general. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know. We criticize a little bit too, well, rightfully so. He's the number one overall pick, and when you pick him over somebody like Aiden, you're going to get criticized for that, the team, the player, all of that, you know, because we're trying to see what you've seen, you know, that you've seen, because what we've seen is this other guy here, he's balling right now. Aiden, we just talked about him. So, but anyway. I, they got to give it a little bit more time. Run defense is where they specialize at. And I say we because it's that whole D-line. Sure. He, it starts with him and the rest of the line. But I, I think he's played solid. I think he's been awesome. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll give him solid. I almost wonder with him. I almost wonder with it's him. It's because yeah. of where he was drafted. That, that's really that's what thing. it that's is. Because thing. if he was drafted 10th or 15th, somewhere around there, we'd be like, oh, yeah, he's playing well. I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say well. I'd say he's still playing how he's playing. I wouldn't consider it as much of an overdraft. Is is like the whole thing because because here's the reason why. Imagine Aiden Hutchinson on this defense. No, I know. I, I hear you. That's, that's, that's why the, I wrap him up. I, I, but you know yeah. what? And but that it still goes to where they were drafted. That that's the thing. Yeah. Because yeah. It, yeah. yeah. That's it's the opportunity Walker, cost of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Walker went number one. If if Walker goes tenth. Matter of fact, we probably wouldn't even be talking about 
will be like, oh yeah, you know, defense is playing well. Run That's defense. true. They don't got no, you're right. Run. He would and, not and be, that a, would be a top. He wouldn't even be a topic, but because he was drafted number one, and it was because it was over a guy that's falling right now. That part too. That part too. You know, but no, I get your point. I get your point. Yeah, that that, that part too. Um, who do you have winning? How do we get there? I like this Jaguars team, bro. And you know, now you know I don't go against Mike. <laughs> I don't go against. I see your face looking over there. I don't go against Mike Tomlin too often. Um, unless he's playing my Raiders. I'm normally the one that's Yeah, like, you the one. You the only one. just trying to go only just trying to go out on a limb and be, I don't know, create content, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I just like this Jaguars team, bro. I just do. Yeah. I like the I, I mentioned the passing game. I also feel like too, I want to talk about Christian Kirk. I oh, yeah, wanna yeah. see if Doug Peterson used him because he uses him in the slot in the end routes and the slant routes. I want to see if they use him as much as the Rams just use uh, Puka. Puka. I want to see that because he ate. Now, he's been doing that to teams anyway. But he yeah, ate so through that middle of that defense of the Steelers. He did. And it was like, it seemed to me like the Steelers were like, no, nah, we're going to take away Cup. And, yeah, and they, and and they took him. away Cup. And Puka just, they they did. They were like, hey, like, okay, we'll just leave Puka. Like, we were talking about, yeah. like, like. Him and man he almost on won the game. He almost won the game for for them. Um, Did you see that one, bro? He caught the, the so he caught. We talked about earlier, like the one near the side. It was near one side. crosser route. Oh, the sideline side one. He got his <laughs> oh, down. Bro. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Bro, Puka is so nasty, bro. Yeah, they found they found a gym. That gym. Just... Yeah, yeah, man. I, I saw like we did. We did the ICU in week two. Week one I was, was it? I think it was week one. No, no, he wasn't my CU week one. He wasn't one. week one? It was week two. I think it was oh, week two. okay. It was early, it was week, It was early. It was, yeah, it was like week yeah. two. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I want to see if Doug uses him like that. I, I mean, why not? I mean, because the Steelers are weak in that middle, that middle side, bro. Especially if, if Mike Tomlin decides to put Patrick Peterson in the slot like that, bro. Um, he I, he I, hasn't really put Pat P in the slot, but what he what they have done is there's been times where, like, you can get Pat P Right when in you're, man when you're doing the most right and right. and I think really honestly the the biggest hindrance for me in terms of when it comes to picking this game it's Matt Canada bro that's what it, Matt well, Canada. yeah Matt Canada's a big part it, it, he's a big part that's the guy really right now that like I just but you so know, many of Matt Canada's concepts are just flawed mm-hmm. and that that's the biggest thing so. Yeah, but but anyway, like I already asked you the question, and, yeah, I, and I, I kept going at you. Uh, no, you're good. Dude. You're good. I just wanted to when you brought it up. I just want yeah, yeah, yeah. To throw that in with Christian Kirk. Um, but yeah, give me the Jaguars. Yeah, Matt Canada is definitely an issue. But I will say this: if the Jaguars' offense was bad, this game would be harder to to pick. It'll be more about okay, what well, I might go spurts because because the defense does play really well in spurts and they know how to win games. With Mike Tomlin. I do like the Jaguars' defense to to a certain extent. But anyway, off that, I, I do like the offense a lot more than the Jaguars, and that's why I'm going with the Jaguars here. Give me – give me 30. Nah, that's a lot. 30, yeah. Nah, that's yeah. A lot. Give, give me – give me 27. I like the 20. Give me 27, Steelers. Steelers 20, Jags 27? I don't even know if I can give them 20. <laughs> but I, 
I'll I can't give you team out. that many points in this one. <laughs> give me, I'm going to stick by that. Give me Jaguars 27, Steelers 20. Yeah, 20. I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to go Jags 23, Steelers 20. That's what oh, I'm okay. Gonna. Uh, Jags 23 Steelers. No, I don't change it now. <laughs> no, I still got the Jags winning. I still got the Jags winning. I just wonder if the Steelers are going to score that many points because the I, reason I do why. Think, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the reason why, it's it's Matt Canada. It, it's mostly, it's 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 a combo of it's Matt him. Canada him, bro. and him. Kenny Pickett also. I'm not blaming. I, I'm blaming Matt Canada's sorry ass, bro. I'm, I'm on, I'm on right. both. I'm on. Kenny's, yeah, he, yeah, he's a problem. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Matt. Matt's the most. I'm on Kennedy. Er, Canada is like eighty percent of the problem. <laughs> that, that, that's just where I'm. That's just where I'm at, bro. The running game ain't working. The passing game's not working. I right. mean, nothing, right. nothing, right. nothing, bro. Normally, yeah. if you have a bad OC, you're like, okay, he's good at this one thing, but he can't really get the other things off. Which you look at him being a bad OC because you expect a good OC to be able to do both. He can't do neither. They're not running the ball well. They're not passing the ball well. And players that that was highly, I mean, Najee Harris was supposed to be a really good running back. First Kenny Trump Pickett pick. was not First just Trump my pick. number one quarterback coming out. A few different. I didn't expect a lot from Pickett coming out. I know, but we had it was a weak quarterback class. Weak class Malik, that year. Yeah, Malik uh, Willis. And, Malik Willis. You know, so I wasn't I didn't high think on him much. Yeah. So you know. Um. Anyway. Yeah. I I'm Matt Canada. He he is there's and, and where I think that problem in lies with him is that he ha, he runs the offense that makes me scratch my head the most in the entire NFL. Like he has concepts that really like don't align with his personnel at times. And when I say that, it's like you have you, you're just gonna you're just gonna use George Pickens on the outside to run stop routes and go routes and post routes. Like he's a big body. You can get him on inbreakers sometimes. Like you you can you can tap into that. That's available to you. Some of that is that they lost Deontay Johnson. Sure, okay, he came back last week and that's going to be able to solve some of your underneath problems. But then I'll also see Matt Canada like use motion on certain plays, and then when it's like a gotta-have-it play, he goes away from it. He doesn't want to give Pickett these, like, this type of help and this type of assistance. That's why it's and, hard. And, and that's, that's what an offensive coordinator is supposed to do. You're supposed to make it easy on your young quarterback to be able to hit your playmakers. Matt Canada doesn't always do that. Then on top of that, there are times where then he'll call con- certain passing concepts that aren't, like, traditional concepts and like they just like, I don't know what his expectation is when he draws these things up. There'll be other times where he's going to draw up a concept that is supposed to be able to connect deep downfield and he's doing so with an empty set. Like how do you expect this offensive line that has had its issues that have been very well documented with your rookie quarterback to be able to hold up in pressure for these deep developing routes with like a 5-0 call? Like, like, like those type of things don't mesh. This is not what I'm seeing. Now, when Matt Canada does call something that has some sort of substance, that has something there, I'm still also not seeing Kenny Pickett hit it with consistency. Because Kenny is shocked, bro. He's like, oh, a good play? 
And he's, I mean, <laughs> wow. And he, he messed his game, bro. I'm still he's holding on. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm, yeah, bro. I'm, I'm home alone here in the offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, yeah. It coaching has a huge part of it on the offensive side of it, and this is, I think, the one ding we can put on Mike Tomlin if we are. There's got to be Mike Tomlin stepping in and trying to rectify this. I think we started to see parts of it rectified in that Rams game. I really do. There was the the Jalen Warren touchdown. My guy, Jalen Warren, who had that rushing touchdown. I want to say that was a play, or or like a concept they honestly stole from McVeigh. Because on that play, I want to say it was Pickens. Was it Pickens or Allen Robinson? They motioned the receiver behind the line of scrimmage, and it, and it, usually they have never, ever used motion on run plays. Think about that for a second. You don't you use motion as a pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah but okay, fine. They, they got in the lab. They rectified it. Anyway, they, they motioned their receiver down, and then they snapped the ball, and the receiver went into the B-gap. That's an insert is what you call that when a receiver goes into the line and makes the is the lead blocker. And why you do that is because likely he's going to be fitting up on a nickel on a nickel or a dime back type of guy. They did that. I want to say they stole that from the Rams or like, like, like the McVeigh offensive tree. We've seen them do that so many times with Skoranek, as I was talking about with the TJ Watt play. We've seen them do that before with Robert Woods or with Cooper Cup. And and like this is something I've never seen them use. And all of those different things and how we saw Kenny Pickett play his best game and how we saw them use things they've never, ever tapped into. Maybe we're seeing this change start for Pittsburgh, but I don't think it takes form and takes shape here. Still got the Jags. 23-17 Jags. I almost wanted Lord to still get, um, score too, but no, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it at 20. Somehow they get to 20. Somehow they get to 20. I'm out. We'll see one day if Matt Canada can ever get his his offense above 400 yards in a game. Like he's he set the record for the offensive coordinator or play caller who's never got that out of his offense. We'll see. We appreciate y'all listening. Check out our YouTube page, SSAWTV. Check out our TikTok, Cover Zero Podcast. Uh, find me on Twitter at JR Sports Bars, Mr. All 22. And we will catch you guys on the flip side.